0: Any of y'all see the uh, paper yesterday? This was our ad. We took out a half-page ad in the paper um, inviting folks to our series. We have... um, You've got the cards, the F-word cards there in your seats. And uh, if you'll take those with you and invite somebody. Two more weeks of this. And we hope that this is one of the most relevant things that we do um, here at our church. We are constantly trying to figure out what's going on in the lives of, of our church people, what's going on in the lives of people in our in our uh, area, in our city, in our county. And we're trying to make church relevant. We're trying to, to take God's Word and apply that to people's lives. And uh, And I hope that when you leave today, that you'll have learned some things about forgiveness that not only you'll use in your life, but you'll be able to share with other folks. And uh, so that's, that's why we do this, and that's why we want you to invite people. That's why we put the ad in the paper. Um, yesterday we were at the Dogwood Trails and um, we handed out some DVDs. This is a new DVD, by the way. Um, it, is, it has the legacy video that we showed two or three weeks ago. It has several different series. I think there's part of Christmas Busters on there. Just kind of gives folks an idea of the, of the stuff that we do. Um, if you've been here any length of time, you know, we do some pretty silly stuff, pretty crazy stuff. But that's on there. These are back on the t-shirt table. If you'll take those, just give them to a friend. Tell them to check this out. If they got their pictures made yesterday at the Dogwood Trails, then Alex has, has uploaded all those pictures on our website. They can go scroll through, find their picture, and then they can print out a free pic, uh, picture. But that's how he advertised our website was he said, I just took your picture. Now, some folks thought that the picture was already on the DVD that they were handing. That would be a little bit further down the road. We're not quite there yet. Um, but... He gave them DVDs, said, go to our website. This is a DVD about our uh, church. Had a lady call last night, said, I've been watching the DVD. Tell me about your church. Where are you located? I want to come check that out. Um, so there's lots of things that you can take and, and you can be a part of, of uh, spreading the word about the church. And this isn't hard. You know, you're, you're, not, you're not knocking on somebody's door that you don't know and, and trying to tell them how they can give their life to Christ. <laughs> you're just saying, hey, check this out. If you like it, talk to me about it. And I'll tell you how you can come to our church and be a part of what's going on there. Um, today we have a uh, uh, Mexican food feast, and then uh, siesta after that. But you go home for your own siesta. You don't do that here. Um, but everybody's welcome, whether you knew about it or not. We'll put the tables up as soon as church is over, and we'll have a, a lot of food. We're we're pretty good at eating together, and we're pretty good cooks too. I say we. I don't cook a thing. I just eat it all. So there's lots of food back there. You're welcome to stay. Uh, free lunch. And then, um, there's one other thing on the back. A couple of weeks ago, we did a deal, uh, called Invisible Children. Had a group come here, and, um, it was, it was a group that's, that went to Uganda, uh, in Africa, and there are children in slavery. There are children that are being forced into, um, into the war zone. Actually, they are soldiers. Uh, they, they recruit them from five years old up to 12 years old because they're, at five, they're old enough to hold a gun, but they're still young enough that they can go into the schools and not be noticed. Um, and we are doing some things called watch parties. We have the DVD. You don't have to do anything but get a few of your friends to come to your house. Show the DVD because on April 29th, we're doing something called the Global Night Commute. And these children, the ones that aren't in the army, the ones that haven't been kidnapped, they uh, every night they, they walk from wherever they live in the bush into the cities. And they spend the night in the cities so that these, these raiding tribes won't come and force them into the army and... Uh, It's just a sad deal. Well, on April 29th, all across the United States, there's going to be something called the Global Night Commute, where we walk from our homes to a certain location. Now, that would take a while for you, Fabian, to come from Berryville, but start early. Um, But we're actually going to walk from our homes out here to our parking lot, and we're going to spend the night here in the parking lot just to raise awareness to what's going on in Uganda. And uh, hopefully folks will, will get involved in that. We're going to talk to the newspaper. There's going to be a lot of stuff, but... Uh, My kids are so excited. My kids have no clue what it's going to be like to sleep on the cement in their sleeping bag, but they just think it's going to be fun. And uh, we're doing this because we want to raise awareness to these children. You know, the Bible says, pure and undefiled religion is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Well, we're trying to do something that will make a difference in these orphans' lives um, halfway around the world. So if you want to host a watch party, um, sign up back there. Somebody will get in touch with you. And um, just have some friends over. Now, have, have you ever heard the statement that truth is sometimes stranger than fiction? You heard that, right? Um, Mom and I used to read, Mom still gets Reader's Digest, and one of our favorite things was uh, drama in real life, and some of those dramas were just incredible. Well, truth many times is stranger than, than anybody's wildest imagination. I heard this story, true story, where a man was in the Dallas area. He was getting gas in his car. You know, one of the little gas stores that has food and all that stuff. He's getting gas and he sees this man jogging and he's got this leash and he's got a massive Doberman on the end of the leash. And so the guy's just watching, you know, nothing really going on. He figures the guy's thirsty because he jogs into the gas station parking lot and he takes the leash, you know, kind of like this one, and he ties this Doberman up to this bench. Now, this was a pretty substantial bench. It was anchored into the concrete. I mean, you know, it's, this is a big deal outside the gas station. So he ties it up. Guy goes in to get something to drink. And and the dude that's telling the story said, all of a sudden, something startled the Doberman. And it's like you could see the whites of his eyes. And he takes off running full speed with such force, such torque that he rips The whole thing out of the concrete, the bench, and starts busting out towards this real busy highway, this busy freeway right over there next to the gas station. And and the guy said, I was just looking like, ah, the dog's going to die. And sure enough, man, he goes flying out in the middle of all of these cars. Well, cars are screeching. There's, There's sparks flying because this is a metal bench, you know, that's going out in the middle of everything. And this one SUV stops right here. The dog comes running up towards it and stops right there next to it. But the bench keeps moving and slams into the SUV. And he said, car, car parts are flying everywhere, just stuff going on. The dog gets scared again. There's a Volkswagen stops behind him. He runs towards the Volkswagen. He stops short. Here comes the bench. Bam! Smashes into the Volkswagen back there. If you were there, what would you have done? I'd have been pumping my gas going, oh! I mean, because, you know, you see those things happening and you don't know what to do. Well, when it comes to today's subject matter, the real F word. A lot of us, probably most of us, are very similar to that Doberman. We are leashed up to unforgiveness. We are leashed up to bitterness, to anger, resentment. And we are running through life. And every time we stop short, all of this baggage comes flying into relationships. And we are causing all kinds of collateral damage in our families, in our friendships, in our workplace. All because we are like that Doberman, tied up to unforgiveness and bitterness. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, is how we can deal with that so that we get out of uh, uh, out of hurting people in our lives. It's damaging us and it's smashing up the potential that God wants us to have with this one and only life that He's given us. Now, here's the problem. This is on your listening guides. Unleashing unforgiveness. Yeah, if there's not some, there's empty chairs here. Dave, would you pass? To make sure everybody gets some. Unleashing unforgiveness is unnatural. Have you figured that out about the F word? Unleashing unforgiveness is unnatural. Because what do you want to do? You don't want to forgive people naturally. What do you you want to get even. You hurt me, you must pay. You must die. And um, i got a question for you today. Here's the, here's the self-evaluation question. When someone hurts you, when someone messes you around, when someone just totally... Um, destroys your world do you hold on to the grudge do you let it go you hold on to it so here's the self-evaluation question who's sitting on your bench who are you tied to in your past that you have not let go of it could be an ex-spouse it could be the person sitting next to you don't elbow them if it is that's something that you need to take care of outside of here Um, We we don't want to worry about that right now. could be a coach. It could be somebody from your past. You might say, Doug, the person that's sitting on my bench died a decade ago. And I don't know what to do about it. Well, that's what we're going to do in this series. Here's the the real issue. If you are leashed up to unforgiveness, you might as well be the Xbox. And you might as well hand the controls to someone else. Because you say, man, you control me. I am tied to the past. You messed me around. You ruined my life. And you control me. Because it's not really affecting Perry if I'm upset with Perry. It's affecting me. And I am holding on to the past. And I'm your own life. But that's what we do when we have bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts. Now, if you are tired of this, if you're tired of, of giving control to someone else, then this series is for you. And speaking of control, we've done one of our videos, and I want you to watch this video, and I want you to pay attention to who's in control in this video. If I can get out of your way. Oh yeah, gives oh, you some of that. There's no luck. Give that. You some is of that is fucking impossible. That <laughs> no. stuff doesn't happen in real life. Only happens oh yes on it does. Batman. Oh yes it does. Dude, Red Farm is not that good. You're yes a he. Idiot. I'm not cheating. Yeah, you are so cheating. What does it even matter? You're the one winning. I just got a good play. You're your cheating is going to make me lose the game. I'm losing oh, I'm the game because... How you like that? Huh? that is how you so like jacked that? up, man. I hate that. I can't believe it. Oh. Hey, what, what's going on? What's Dude, going he on? was cheating. He threw me over the... The stinking couch. I was not cheating. You were. I was not. You were. You're now, you're, now you're lying. Whatever. You're cheating and you're lying. Lies, Whatever. Up, lies like, you. like you. Whatever. Lies like you're going hell. You know that? Lies like you end up in hell. Matthew oh. <sighs> 1833 oh. says, Shouldst thou not also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Please explain to me what that means. It means you should drop the F-bomb. You mean you're to f*** off? No! Oh. The Jesus oh. F-bomb! Oh. I okay. forgive you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry! I'm sorry, I'm not say the real word, even to bleep it out. So, you know, you can settle down there. Um, (laughs) It gets better. We're going to do one of these episodes every week. So if nothing else, bring your friends to hear the F-bomb dropped in church, you know. So um, (laughs) Jesus had been talking about forgiveness. He'd been... um, He'd been telling his followers what they needed to do and the type of power that you have whenever you forgive others. And Simon Peter, you know, the one that's always sticking his foot in his mouth, the one that jumps out of the boat to walk on water and then sinks and has to cry out to Jesus. Peter had been listening to this, and obviously something had been going on in Peter's life because he's just soaking it in. Somebody had jacked him around in his life, and so he was interested in this subject of forgiveness. And so he's just taking it all in, and then he started to ask Jesus these questions, and um, you can tell by his questions that, that, that Peter made some serious assumptions about forgiveness that were wrong. The same type of assumptions that all of us have made at one time or another. So check out his question that he asked Jesus in Matthew eighteen twenty one. Peter came up to the Lord and asked, How many times should I forgive someone who does something wrong to me? Is seven times enough? Now, let me, uh, let me explain what, what was going on here. Move this and see if I can get everybody to see it. Kind of. Now, what was going on, the way the rabbis taught in that day was that if you forgave someone three times, that was monster forgiveness. So let's just say I got my little thing here, and, and the problem with that is, Wes, where are you? Oh, there you are. All right. All right. Wes, let's say that Wes and I, we live back in the day, in the Jewish day, and uh And I'm keeping score. If I'm a good Jew, not only will I forgive you a few times, but I'm going to keep score so I'll know where you and I are in our relationship. So Wes decides to mess me around. Mm, There's one. But the rabbis tell me that I have to forgive him. So Wes, all right, you got two more chances, buddy. I'll forgive you, but you got two more chances. Which is really pretty stupid when you think about it, because you're not forgetting. You're keeping score. And so Wes messes me around again. Oh, Wes. I'll forgive you, but you got one more shot, buddy. One more and we're done. And then Wes messing me around again. Wes said the most common misspelling of his name, his last name is Canaday, but it says Can Daddy. By the way, if you look on the email that I send to the whole church, it's addressed to Wes Candaddy because he told me that years ago. And and in our relationship, you never ever forget anything that you can use as fuel, you know, down the road. So it says Wes have you noticed that? They said, He hadn't even noticed it. He just looks at West Candaddy. Daddy. Well if I'm a Jew and Wes has messed me around three times, Can Daddy, I'm thinking jerk daddy, I'm thinking all of these names that I can add to him because our relationship is over based on what the rabbi's taught. Now Perry's up here at the front and Perry, maybe we're okay. Perry's just got one check mark. So we're still in good relationship. And Alex is back there and you know, maybe Alex doesn't have any. So think about this. If you're keeping track, how do you keep up with that? i got better things to do in life than keep up how many times you've messed me over. And so naturally, I'm going to be closer to Alex because Alex hasn't messed me around. Okay, oh, can daddy, get out of here, dude. I don't even want to see you coming. I see your name on caller ID. Mm-mm. I'm not answering that sucker because you messed me around. So Peter, in the midst of this, in the midst of this type of teaching, Peter's like, Jesus, I'm a spiritual stud. I'm one of your followers. Been hanging out with you for a while. How many times should I forgive somebody who's jacked me around? Seven times? Because I mean, that's twice as much plus one. So he's going, my scorecard has seven on there. So, Wes, you're back in the game, man. If I'm Peter, you got four more times, but Your paper is going to be filled up. Seven boxes that i got to keep up with doesn't make just a whole lot of sense to me. So Peter says, you know, here's what I want to do. And and he made this assumption about forgiveness. He's kind of muddy about it. See, Peter was thinking that forgiveness was more for the person who offended me than for me. But he's wrong, isn't he? Because forgiveness is more for the one who has been offended. If I've been offended... And I'm tied to the past. That other person may be running around and not even know that I'm hacked off at them. They're living their life. They're having a good time. But I'm trying to hold on to the past. And so forgiveness is for the one who has been offended, not for the one who does the offending. And uh, Simon didn't get it. So Jesus answers his question and he just launches into one of his famous stories because Jesus was the master story teacher. Back in biblical days, rarely did they ever... um, teach any of the rabbis teach without some type of visual image that's why we do this that's why we got the bench jesus taught and he just launches into this story to 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 do something visual to help peter get it so jesus says um okay simon peter let's say that there's this really really rich dude rich king and he decides to do some accounting one day and he decides to figure out who owes him money? I mean, this king has some serious bling bling. Now I can say that because it's actually been used. There was a nine-year-old at my house the other day, and I uh, Matt told me, by the way, never to say bling bling again. But now that I've used, it's been used about me in context. I can use it. So I have this bicycle, and it's not, you know, it's a Walmart special. It's you know, like a hundred bucks. It's not like your big time mountain bicycle or anything. But I'd had it in the back of my truck, and I pull it out, and this nine-year-old who's my daughter's best friend goes. Ooh, bling, bling. (laughs) And I looked at her, I said, what did you say? She said, bling, bling. I said, yeah, I'm the dude. I got some bling, bling, you know, rolling my bicycle across there. So this king who has serious bling, bling, he looks to see who owes him money and he calls in the people who owe him money. He says, show me the money. And he finds this one guy that owes him... If we, I did the math. If we were to figure out how much he owed in today's dollars, he owes the king $10 million. Now I was thinking about this this morning. If we added up all the debt in this room, we wouldn't owe $10 million. I hope. God help us if we do. But we wouldn't owe $10 million. That's some serious cash, even for the Donalds. You know, he goes to the government for all these grants and all of this stuff. The Donald would have trouble with $10 million. But this guy comes in... The king calls him into his palatial palace and he says, show me the money. And so look what the servant is, does in, in Matthew eighteen twenty six. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. Now back then you couldn't file chapter 11, chapter 13, chapter 7, any of the chapters. They didn't have chapters back then. You were in serious trouble if when someone called in the debt, you could not pay that debt. And so what does he do? He falls down on his face and he begs, oh, please be patient. I know I owe you $10 million. By the way, you know, they would make less than a buck a day as a slave. You don't have 10 million days to live. I don't know how, but be patient with me, oh, great one, with the bling bling, and I will pay you back. And the king, now the king could have thrown him to the torturers. He could have auctioned off his whole family and taken that money to help pay for it. And still the guy would have to pay back $10 million. But the king does something that is totally crazy. Look what he does. Matthew 18, 27. Touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. That's the strangest thing I've ever heard. I have a loan for my house. Can you imagine me walking into Hibernia? And the dude goes, don't worry about it, it's canceled. What do you think I'm going to do? First, I'm going to have this really stupid look on my face, and then I'm going to start looking around and see if I'm being punked, you know? Because I, I don't want to fall for this and get you know, all excited and then be on TV and go, look at the dork. <laughs> he still owes all this money. But then when he hands me the paperwork and it says canceled, I mean, I've got official documents that says canceled. I'm gonna be some kind of happy because I was planning, you know, we're planning to pay it off in the next eleven years. We're working towards that, but that's eleven years. I just got freedom today. I'm gonna to be doing some kind of dance, calling Janey. You won't believe this. Probably run all the way home. And then if I come across you and you owe me a thousand bucks or a hundred bucks, I'm probably gonna say, Don't worry about it. I've just been forgiven ten million. I'm rich. <laughs> And I'm going to think everything is great. When someone has hurt us, when someone has trashed us, when somebody has has offended us, it's like a debt has been created. And we want them to pay, don't we? You owe me if you've offended me. And I just want you to realize that a debt has been created when somebody hurts you. And you need to think about that because the story continues. Now, you'd think this servant would be some kind of... uh, Forgiving dude because of what he's been forgiven. But the story says after he'd been forgiven 10 million, he goes out and looks for a fellow slave that owes him 11 bucks. 11 dollars. Been forgiven 10 million? Owes me 11. Now, if Perry owes me. Stand up, Perry. I'm just going to show you what this guy did. The Bible says that he goes up and he grabs him by the neck. Bring me more 11 bucks! Bring me my 11 bucks! Thank you. I just want to do that because you were controlling me earlier. <laughs> Pay me my $11. That doesn't make sense, does it? And as will happen, when you go out in public and act a fool, somebody's always watching, aren't they? And if you read the whole story, the other servants saw him and it says they took notes. And they went back to the king and they said, You know what the guy who was forgiven $10 million did? And they tell him the story. And the Bible tells us that the king with the bling bling gets seriously offended. And look what he does. Matthew 18, 32. The king summoned the man. You evil servant. Now this is, this is the verse that, that Kimberly read. Shouldest thou not have had compassion? This is in English here. You evil servant. I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? The king was furious and put, him, put the screws to the man until he paid back his entire debt. Now, this is really ironic, and, and I don't want you to miss this. The king set the $10 million debtor free. He, he removed him from the debt, the prison debt. But the man who had been forgiven goes back and puts himself right back into prison because he refused to erase the debt of someone else. Does that make sense? king sets him free. He chooses to go back into prison. And um, the same is true in your life and mine, isn't it? We've been delivered a huge debt if we're Christ followers. We've been set free. We've been forgiven. That whole debt thing's been taken care of. And um, when we harbor unforgiveness, when we harbor bitterness and resentment and anger... We're putting ourselves back into the prison. We're putting ourselves back into the position we were in before we understood and appropriated the incredible forgiveness and the power of forgiveness of Jesus Christ in our lives. We're sticking ourselves right back into prison. And and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But then this next verse... I don't know if you ever read the Bible and come across verses and you go, ouch! Or you go... I don't like that verse. And you wish it wasn't in the Bible? Here's one of those. Verse 35. Jesus summarizes the whole story. And I'm sure at this point, Simon Peter goes, Dude, why did I even bring it up? Matthew 18, 35. And that's exactly what my Father in Heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. Throw you in in prison. Now... I really think that what God's saying is, I'm going, to, I'm going to allow you to walk back into prison, even though I've opened the door, I'm going to allow you to suffer the consequences of your choices if you choose not to forgive. The guy had received forgiveness, but he'd not experienced forgiveness in the depth of his soul, so he could not turn around and give it to someone else. And it sounds a whole lot like us, or like people that you know. We've been forgiven this huge debt by Jesus Christ but we've not experienced it in the depths of our soul, so we can't turn around and give forgiveness to anyone else. We've not really experienced it. So, here's what the plain teaching of the Bible is. We've chained ourselves by choice to unforgiveness, to bitterness, to anger. And the Bible teaches that if you do that, God's coming after you. That's what it's saying. Is God's, God's going to come after you. God's going to allow you to suffer the torture and the torment of your own choices. It's like you're on this treadmill of torture. Can you imagine getting on a treadmill with five or six people on this thing? You know, you're hooked up and you start running on the treadmill. And you know, the amazing thing about a treadmill is after you've gone two miles, ten miles, twelve miles on the treadmill, you get off. Where are you? Right exactly where you started. And a lot of people are hung up in 1982 because what happened to them. And every relationship they have is destroyed because of what happened in 1982. Because they're still chained up to that bitterness, that anger, that unforgiveness in their past. And so I think that's part of the relationship or part of the, the consequences that God allows you to suffer. Well, if you go back to this story when... when Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I uh, forgive? Jesus answers him in Matthew eighteen twenty-two. Jesus replied, seven? <laughs> Hardly. Try 70 times seven. Oh, crud. I'm not going to put 490 boxes up there. You know what I think Jesus is saying? He's saying, I want you to forgive so many times that you lose count. I want it to become a habit in your life. I want you to get worn out by forgiving other people. So that every time somebody offends you, you wipe the slate clean. Because I've forgiven you such a debt that there's no way anyone on this earth can, can do anything more to you than you've done to God. I mean, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't clean ourselves up. You cannot clean yourself up enough to earn the favor of God. God looked down and He said, That's, I created them. And I want to have a relationship with them. And because they're so screwed up, they can't get back to me by themselves. I'm going to come put on skin and I'm going to die so that they might have a bridge that would allow them to come back to me. Now, some of you are thinking, "Uh, you don't realize what they did to me. You don't realize how bad they hurt me. You know, my mom did this, my dad did this, my uncle, my friend, my spouse, whoever. You don't know what they did to me. For me to forgive them would be minimizing what they've done. Somebody's got to remember. Somebody's got to make them pay. Well, you're not minimizing anything. I don't know what they did to you. You don't know what people did to me. God does, though. And this isn't my idea. This is God's idea. He says, forgive them. You want to have power in your life? You want to have freedom in your life? Forgive them. You know, the, the, the term forgiveness. Do you have that? Term forgiveness. What's the, the middle of that word? Give. Whenever you choose to forgive, you are giving yourself the gift of freedom from your past. Here's something else. You ever been around somebody that's really bitter? I mean, it takes years to get really good at being bitter. It takes years of practice. And I don't like to be around people that are bitter. You don't either. Because it destroys everyone around them. So when you choose to forgive, you're giving people around you a gift of freedom from your past as well. And you're giving the person who offended you the freedom from your past. It's a gift that money can't buy. And it's God's idea. Now, there was a time when Jesus' followers were going around and they, they said to Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. And so Jesus did. And, and you all know it as the Lord's Prayer. Jesus, It's really a model prayer. We're not supposed to pray it word for word as if it's some magical incantation. But in the, in the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, Jesus gives a lot of suggestions. And there's this one part. He gets down to it and He says, Forgive us our debts. You know, I think about that and I think, Oh, heavens, yes, Lord, forgive me my debts because I have messed up. I told Caleb and I were driving down the road the other day and I said, man, I am so good at being a jerk. He's like, oh, dad. And I go, no, man, really, I've practiced this for years and I'm good at it and I'm tired of, of being a jerk. And so when I confess to God, yes, God, forgive me of my mess ups. But it's the next word in that verse that messes me around. Two-letter word. Forgive us our debts. What? As? Oh no! Here we go again. As we forgive those who've committed debts against us, or who trespassed. However you figured, however you learned that. Forgive us our debts, just like we forgive people around us. No, I don't want. I don't mean that. God, don't don't hold me to the same standard because I'm horrible at forgiving and letting go of the past. But that's, that's the clear teaching of the Bible. If God has forgiven me, and He has, then the Bible says I should rush to forgive others. <laughs> How often has that been said about you or me? Oh, they rush to forgive people. No, we usually hang on to the past. Well, the master in the story, who's that? That Jesus was talking about. Who's the master? God. The, the servant who's been forgiven a whole lot, who's that? You and me. So what we've got to ask now is, are we going to stay leashed up to our past, to unforgiveness, to pain, to bitterness? Unleashing unforgiveness is unnatural. And to go a little bit deeper, the reason that it's unnatural, the reason you have a hard time forgiving and I have a hard time forgiving is because we are in this little universe and we are center of it. We have this issue with self. And there's four barriers, and it all has to do with self. There's four barriers to forgiveness. And let's run through these real quickly. The first barrier to forgiveness is the self-deception barrier. We rationalize. The self-deception barrier, we rationalize. You know what that is? It's, rationalize means I tell myself rational lies. Right? We say... um. Well, you know, what I did to that person is no big deal. They're an emotional basket case. They deserved it. So they're just overreacting. That's what we tend to say, you know, if somebody else is offended by something we've done. Or we say, um, you know what my mother did to me? Yeah, she was an alcoholic and it hurt me, but it's no big deal. I'm over that. It's water under the bridge. All these cliches start coming out. Whenever you hear cliches, you can usually just figure that people aren't really over it. Um, because when you're over it, you talk in real terms, not cliches or what my dad did to me, or what that coach said to me, or what that teacher said to me, in, in Celebrate Recovery that we have, the first step, if you're ever going to experience healing from your hurts, habits, and hang-ups, the very first step is get over denial. When you hear people using cliches, they're in denial about their past. And so, um, this, is, this is one that we use. Oh, everything's fine in my life. I'm fine. Be real careful, because that's a barrier to forgiveness. I'm fine. I don't need to forgive. Yeah, you do. Second self thing is the self defense barrier. The self defense barrier. This is probably one of our favorites. We say, I'm gonna get you back. You mess me around and you're gonna pay. Problem is, God says something in Romans 12, 19. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Yeah, but they started it. I have three kids. 11, almost 9, and 6. you think I've ever heard those words? They started it. And see, what makes me insane is when my kids argue over dumb stuff. I mean, that's one of the things that gets me out of my chair quicker than anything else. And it's funny, the other night, the tr- <laughs> told them to go brush their teeth. And, you know, I expect my kids to obey. So they're in there, and I hear them, yay, yay. And so I mute the TV, because the news is on. I mute the TV, and all of a sudden, all the stock- talking stops. Unmute the TV. I can't tell what they're saying, though, so I mute the TV. Talking stops. This goes on about three or four times, and I look at Janie, and so nothing. They come back after they um, have brushed their teeth, and we come back in, and we are reading through the Narnia series, um, C.S. Lewis series, and uh, we read the Bible. And so they come back in, and they're all kind of grinning. And I said, what? And they said, anytime you mute the TV, we figure you're trying to listen in on what we're saying. Janie just busts out laughing. Oh, ha, 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 Shut up. And I said, that's exactly what I was trying to do. And they laughed. And I said, were you all griping at each other? And they go, no, sir. But we knew you thought we were. And we better not say anything or we were in trouble. it, i, I got to come up with a new method now. Because they've already figured me out. Whenever my kids say they started it, I say, yeah, but I'm going to finish it. Now Hannah and and Rachel, they actually like that because they know I will get Caleb back much better than they can. So they're like, Sweet, I'll say to Hannah, You want me to bust your brother? Hard. And Caleb's like, What? Hush. (laughs) You know. Well, God says the same thing. God says, I'll take care of it. Vengeance is mine. You've heard it that way. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Do not repay. So, when I try to hold on to what God's told me not to do, what I'm saying is, God, you're not good enough to handle it right. That's a dangerous place to be. A third barrier to uh, forgiveness is the self image barrier. Self image barrier. And, you know, let's just call it what it is. You might want to write this out beside the pride barrier. It's just, there's nothing more to it but pride. We say, if you think I'm going to admit that I'm wrong, you got another thing coming. You're wrong. I mean, I'm up here and I am not coming down to your level to tell you that I'm wrong or that there may be any part of this that's my fault. I just got to be, let's tell a little truth here. Pride makes you look stupid. And me look stupid. Because everybody knows when you're too proud to do something. When you think you're on a pedestal, everybody else has already knocked you off. You know the difference between a proud person and a humble person? A humble person has already gotten down off of the pedestal. And they come to you and they say, man, I'm sorry. I'm a jerk. And usually, humble people have gotten on their knees before God. My brother taught me this years ago when I was helping him build a house. Because I stuck my hammer up on like the second floor. And then he hit this piece of wood and the hammer falls, you know, 20 feet and almost... No pun intended, nails my brother. And my brother's like, Hey, Doug, a hammer doesn't fall off the floor. I have said that eight million times to my children. It doesn't fall off the floor, Dip. Well, when I'm on my knees before God, I don't usually fall because I'm already in a position of strength. And if I come to you and I say, Man, I am a jerk. And you'll probably go, yeah, you were. And I say, will you forgive me? Does that put me in a position of strength in your eyes or a position of weakness? Strength. It's the people that try to stand up and act like there's some bad thing. That's that's when I'm like, All right, I'm not even gonna mess with that. When you when you come off of your pride pedestal, then we'll talk. And I've told you, I've gotten really good at being a jerk, and so I've had to go to many people and and ask for forgiveness. And it's, it's not, sorry. <laughs> sorry. And it's not, I did this last night. I was praying and I said, God, forgive me. And then I went, oh no, God, will you forgive me? Because if I go to Donald and I go, Donald, forgive me. Now. He's not going to forgive me because I'm still holding all the power. I'm still holding all the cards. But when I go to Donald and I say, Donald, dude, it's in your court. Will you forgive me? Then all the power is His. And I'm vulnerable because He can reject me. He can shoot me down. But that's where the power is and that's where the connection comes in our lives is when we ask someone to forgive us. The last one is the self-protection barrier. Self-protection barrier. I'm just going to protect myself. And some of you, my wife hates confrontation. There have been times I've seen her get ulcers in her, you know, she's had ulcers in her stomach, ulcers on her mouth. She's broken out because she knew that there was a problem between her and someone else and she did not want to have to deal with it. And I'm not telling you that I like confrontation. I don't like that. But I know it's necessary. And I know if I'm up at night and I'm not able to sleep, there's a problem. If you see someone come through the door and then you take off down another aisle at Walmart, there's a problem that you need to work out. And so, this self-protection barrier, some of you are sweating, you're thinking, oh, the last thing I want to do is sit across the table from somebody that I got an issue with. But you're, you're going to be tied to your past if you don't. I know unleashing unforgiveness is unnatural, I know that. But God wants to do something through us through His power, which is supernatural. You can't do it in your power. I can't do it in my power. But God can do it through us. Remember the Doberman? Left you hanging, didn't I? Dog get hit? What what happened? Well, the owner of the gas station sees what's going on, and the master, the dog's master, sees what's going on. So the owner of the gas station comes busting out, running across the parking lot. The owner has his Gatorade and he's spilling Gatorade everywhere. He's running out trying to to save his dog. And, And really a strange thing happened. Whenever the dog sees his master, he just chills out and sits down. And so what did the master do? The master went over, very calmly, I don't know how calmly, unties his dog. The owner of the gas station picks up the tattered bench and goes and throws it in the dumpster and the master leads the dog to safety. See the point, don't you? Your master wants to untie you from your past and lead you to safety. But that doesn't happen until your eyes are on him. And that's what I'm talking about. When you're praying and you see your master told you last week I had an issue in my life. I'm reading the Bible and it says, Blessed are the peacemakers. And I'm like, God! So I had to go to somebody and say, Man, I love you and our friendship is much more important than anything else. And I was wrong. And and I just saw his whole face, his countenance change. He's like, dude, I love you like a brother. And if he was keeping score, (laughs) I'd be off the chart. I'd be up to 490, you know. But immediately he just said, I love you. And, and the power that Satan had over that situation was untied by God the Father, by the Master. And he leads us to safety. Well, that's the real F word. That's forgiveness. And that's what God wants to do in your life and in mine. And I have a feeling there's other people you know that, that need to hear what we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks. Because next week we're going to talk about the benefits of forgiveness. And then, then we're going to talk about four-dimensional Forgiveness when we get into the third week of this series. I want you to do something as we wrap up today. I want you to um, set whatever's in your hands aside. And sometimes I do this with God. Sometimes, a lot of times, I ask the church to do this. I want you to um, do your hands like this make them into a fist, like you're holding on to something. I was thinking about this and I was thinking about skiing, water skiing. You know, sometimes I hold like this, sometimes I hold like this, sometimes my arm gets tired to stick my arm through, you know. And I want you to think about whatever it is you're holding on to from your past. Is there a relationship? Is there a name or a face that you need to release? Because in the Bible, the word forgive, you know what forgiveness actually means? You can write this down later. It's on your listening guys. Forgiveness actually means release. I release you. You know what resentment means? Resentment means to think again and again and again. And some of us have been thinking again and again and again about somebody who screwed us over and we're tied to our past. So I just want you to to close your eyes for just a minute. And kind of as a symbol to God that you want to take a step towards Him and what He wants you to do, Just as a symbol to God, I want you in your mind just to say, God, I release that person to you. And if you can pray that, just open your hands and release. It doesn't mean you have the power. It means you're asking God to give you the power. And just before God, just release that person to God. And and I want you to pray this in your mind, just quietly. Say these words, God, I forgive them. I release them. Debt. Cancelled. God, I'm not minimizing what happened. I'm just doing what you told me to do so that I can discover your best for my life. Because God, you've got this awesome agenda for me. And you want to lead me to it. And I know the only way I'll ever experience that is to live a life of forgiveness. God, unleashing unforgiveness is unnatural. But because of your power, I know it's supernatural, and I open my hands to you. So you're saying, God, I let go. God, I let go. I let go. have a feeling right now God's doing some things in your life. Some things that are not of this world. They're supernatural. I just want to thank God for that, and then we'll be dismissed. God, I thank You that You brought these folks here. There's not an accident here. It's not a coincidence that anybody who's here heard this message today. You knew it before we ever showed up. But God, You also know some people around us who need to experience forgiveness. I thank You for what You're doing. I thank You that we feel Your presence right now working in our lives. And I thank You that You love us so much You will not leave us alone and You will not leave us in the same place we are. You want to make us better, God. But we got some stuff in our past that's, that's keeping us from being where You want us to be. Thank You that You love us like we are, but You won't leave us like we are. Work some incredible things in our church and in this community over the next few weeks. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.